well this morning. We are continuing the sermon series called The Invite. Now, The Invite is all about two invitations. One is an invitation to church, physically, come and check it out. But the other more important one is an invitation to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because as I look at the world, uh, and as you look at the world, I think this is the answer. Everybody's looking for answers, like how do we prevent all this weirdness that's going on? How do we prevent the, the unrest, the uncivility, the, the inability to disagree and, and yet get along with one another? I'm telling you, Jesus has an answer for all of that. And I want to tap into your imaginations for just a, a moment this morning, if I may. I want you to, to close your eyes for just a second and picture what a world would look like if everyone in the world legitimately followed Jesus, not because they have to, but because they want to, what would that world look like? What would that look like at your job? What would that look like in your relationship? What would that look like with your children? What would that look like with your neighbor? What would that look like at rush hour on I-10? Have you got that picture? Great. Hang on to that picture, open your eyes, buckle in your seatbelts, because now we've got the why about the invite. That picture that we just had right there, that's why we're going to learn how to invite people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we're going to learn to invite them to activities and around people that might help foster that relationship. Not that we're all that. We don't have the answers, but we know the one who does, and that's what makes us different. That's what makes life different at WordServe. So if you can imagine that world, hang on to that thought because that's the world that we're shooting for. Now, here's the the flip side of that world. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to make that world a possibility? Now, before you nod your head, yes, 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 Lord, I will follow you. We've heard that before, right? Are you willing to drink from the cup? Uh, uh, Put a different way, that sounds a little more intimidating, doesn't it? But what I'm hoping for is that we find a world that is uh, completely following Christ. And this is a world that apparently, here we go again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's the place I want to live, right? That, that's the, uh, the, uh, the happy, happy. Um, and here's the thing. We always have this, this picture in our minds, like if everybody just followed Jesus, there would be no strife, no conflict, everybody would get along perfectly. Have you followed the lives of the disciples? Jesus was right there with them for three years. Follow the lives of the disciples, and you'll see that it wasn't always rosy, and it wasn't always, oh, you're my best buddy ever. No, there was conflict. There was strife. But the difference was there was a way to deal with that. And it wasn't so in your face all the time. You know, there, there were ways that we can disagree and yet agree. There are ways that we can get along, even though we don't come from a similar background or a similar culture. And Jesus has all those answers, and, and, and this is a possibility. But here's the thing. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to make this a possibility? And here's what I mean. What we're talking about, what we're talking about in the saving relationship with Jesus Christ is not something that we can do of our own accord. Some people are hesitant. They don't want to invite people to faith or invite people to church because they're afraid that uh, there may be a question that I don't know the answer to. We talked a little bit about this last week. I'm just not comfortable. Well, here's the thing. It's not of this world. 
It's of another world. Jesus even says that himself. My kingdom is not of this world. So our efforts in invitation can't be of this world either. What do you mean, Bill? This is getting more confusing. That's really not. It's simple, but not easy. What has to happen in someone's heart for this to take is for the Holy Spirit to do its work. And what has to happen for that relationship to begin is we have to speak the right language. We have to speak the language of prayer. Because this isn't about flesh. This is about powers and principalities and, and things that we can't understand. So until we speak prayer, we don't fully understand how to invite someone into that relationship that will change their life forever. I don't want to win people to Christ with my cleverness or my knowledge of the scripture or anything that is of me. Because the first time that someone else that's a little more clever or a little more versed in scripture comes along with a different view, they're going to get turned from that. But if the Holy Spirit does its work and that seed gets planted and that root takes, uh, takes root in, in the heart, there may be things that come and, and buffet it about a little bit, but that's going nowhere. That is solid, and that is the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So it starts with prayer, believe it or not, because that's the arena that we have to operate in. So today's sermon title, if you want to download uh, online later, we have the little study notes that you can use for food for thought. The sermon title today is called Prayer Vitation. It's a combination of prayer and invitation. Prayer Vitation. And prayer is first. Because that's where we have to start before we even think about inviting anybody to anything. Because if we do that right, the rest should follow, at least in theory. So prayer invitation. Now, many of you may be thinking, Bill, I don't really know what to pray. Um, I I do pretty good just to do mealtime and and maybe bedtime. Uh, God bless Aunt Martha and her cat and uh, that kind of thing. And now I lay me down to sleep and all that. Not that that's bad. It's a starting point. But man, we're going to have so much more to pray about by the end of the day. You're going to be nonstop praying. So here, here's some of the things to think about. If you're not confident in prayer, we talked about confidence last week. Our confidence is in God. Our confidence in prayer also comes from a God who listens. If you don't believe me, stay tuned. We're going to be around First John And I say that very deliberately because people always turn to John if you're new to the... Whoops, I may have double-clicked. Nope, we're good. 1 John is actually all the way back in the back of the Bible, almost to the end of the Bible. There are three small epistles that John writes, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We're in 1 John today, chapter 5, and I'm going to actually read verses uh, 14 and 15, but I just put uh, 14 on the screen So we're talking about confidence in prayer and the ability to pray and how God responds to that. Because here's the thing that I found when when I find people that want to invite and they have a strong motive for invitation, it's usually because there's someone that's on their heart. Maybe God has placed them on their heart. Maybe it's a child that has grown up and strayed and you want nothing more than that relationship to be reestablished. Or or maybe it's a spouse as you're starting to drift and you see the need for a turn to Christ and that desire to pray is there, but how do you do that? Well, First John helps us out. We're in chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, <clears throat> and this is what he says. This is what John says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we asked of him. These are the words of God. They are for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. This sounds really easy, doesn't it? I just pray whatever I want, and he hears me. And whatever I ask, I get. That's what I call the genie approach to prayer. You just rub the bottle and, what's your wish, my master? That's not Jesus, by the way. We got our relationship backwards, if that's the way we think it works. So we're going to pick apart this verse for just a second here, uh, see what it means and what it does not mean, because I think people get frustrated with this idea of prayer because I've been asking and asking and asking, and it's just not happening. So either I'm not praying right or God doesn't exist. Or maybe he exists, but he doesn't listen. All of that is tragic and unnecessary because God does exist. God does listen. We just have to figure out how to get it done. So here we go. It says that he hears. Well, just because you hear, does that mean that you do something about it? Now, when we think of God this way, we think, yeah, but if I pray to God and he heard me, why doesn't he do something about it? He must not love me. So if you've ever been a parent or you've ever had a parent, you are probably familiar with this phenomenon. Let me put this into more practical terms. And you tell me if this parent loves this child or not. child comes to the parents, he's 16 years old, says, I really, really want a Ferrari. So whatever I ask for, you got to give it to me. What's the parent going to say? That's what I'd say. Good luck. Uh, And probably a lot of other things I would say as well. Yeah, no. No, you're not getting a Ferrari. You just turned 16. Uh, So what's the parent's motive behind not giving that Ferrari to that 16-year-old? What would your motive be? Safety of the individual? (laughs) Safety of everybody else, for that matter. (laughs) Right? What else? Responsibility. Are they able to handle that Ferrari? Yeah. What was that? I don't have one. Yeah, you get, you get yours after I get mine. That's the way that works. Yeah. What else would be your motive as a parent to say no to that request? Practicality. Practicality. Those things are not only expensive to buy, but have you ever tried to maintain one? I had a friend uh, back in the, the days. Uh, I've told you my pilot training stories before, but he bought a Porsche. Uh, on his way to pilot training. Now, understand that he hadn't earned a paycheck yet, but he, he bought this Porsche deeply in debt, and he was so cool because he had the, the aviator sunglasses, and he rolled up in his Porsche, and that lasted about a week until the clutch went out. And he found out how expensive it is to get that clutch repaired on that Porsche. And then I think he was driving a Honda after that. <laughs> so, you know, wah, wah, and the cool factor went way down. Yeah, so you know this as a parent or you've, you've experienced this. Sometimes, yeah, I absolutely heard your request, but the answer is nope, <laughs> not going to happen. Because one, it's not practical. Two, you're not ready for this. And not only are you not ready, but if you don't do this right, it's going to endanger yourself and everybody else. Now, is that a motive of love? Yes. Does that parent love that child? Yes. Did that child get whatever they asked for? No. Happens all the time. Yet somehow, when we ask God for whatever we want, and God says no, we get upset with that. I guess we're not that different than our children, maybe. Or is that just me? I don't know. So a couple things that we need to pick apart in here. Um, The one is that 
if we ask according to his will. See, there's the catchphrase. There's always a catchphrase. If we ask according to his will, well, what's God's will? This is a question that people have all the time. If you're not sure what God's will is, it might be because this thing has been shut too long. It's all right here. And if you want to know God's ultimate will, he gives us a very clear marching order in our mission. And I'm going to keep harping until we all get this like burned, etched into our, our noggins. What is our mission? To make disciples, specifically of Jesus Christ, not a Ferrari. Right? So to make disciples. So if I'm going to ask something of God and it helps to make a disciple, there's a good chance that I'm asking in accordance with his will. Now, that doesn't mean that I get it right away either. And we've talked about this before. You may be asking for something of the Holy Spirit that is going to enable you to invite someone. But God's saying, you know what? You're not ready for this yet. I need to season you. I need to grow you. I need to stretch you in some other ways. And here's the fascinating thing to me, especially when it comes to praying for others to meet Jesus in a saving relationship. I don't mean like meet Jesus now, but to, to meet Jesus in a saving relationship is that we, uh, sometimes it takes a, a work in our hearts as well. You know, may, maybe God isn't just interested in the other. Maybe he's interested in me as well. And maybe there's something that needs to change in my life. God doesn't just work on one individual at a time. He's big enough to work on all of us. So in the process of prayer, we have to be willing to listen to what God has to say to us and understand that he may be asking us to be changed as well. And then if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have whatever we have asked of him. That's what the rest of the verse says. Whatever we've asked him, we know we have it. So here's, here's a scenario. Let me play this out for you. I have a dear friend, let's say, that I'm concerned about making some really bad life choices, and I know that Jesus would turn his life around. And so I pray in earnest, God, please, turn Jim, Joe Bob's life. I started to say, Jim, there's too many Jims. Joe Bob's life around. Because <laughs> everybody's going to look at a Jim and go, <laughs> sinner, heathen. Pray, turn Joe Bob's life around. You know, bring him into a saving relationship because he's just going through so many hard knocks that he doesn't need to. And I know that God hears that, and that is in accordance with his will, and that is online with my mission. And I know that God heard me, and I have whatever I asked of him. And maybe that's God saying, Bill, you're going to go to Joe Bob, and you're going to walk alongside him during this season of chaos in his life. And you are going to be a sense of peace, that person of peace that walks beside him, that picks him up, that dusts him off, that gently steers him back when he loses his way. That's what I need of you. And you already have what I ask you to because my Holy Spirit's going to enable you to do that. Now, are you willing to do whatever it takes to make that world come to fruition? See, now it gets a little harder. Because it's never just about a simple invitation. It's about an invitation to a lifestyle. And if we don't have that lifestyle, it's going to be much less attractive of an invitation. That's why I say God still works on us. Now, hear me. This is the caveat. I'm not saying that we have to be perfect. I'm not saying that we never make mistakes. I'm saying that when we do, we find our way back with grace and forgiveness. And we have a community of people that will help us do that. See, that's attractive to me. 
to know that I'm not out there on my own, that I'm not completely lost, and that even if I do stray, there are people who will lovingly pull me back in and show me that shepherd once more. And I can fall in love all over again and find that first love like we talked about earlier. That's what God can do in prayer. A lot of times we look over that part uh, of obedience and submission in prayer. God, I really want Joe Bob to have a saving relationship, and I get an answer that I don't want. Or um, maybe it's the timing is off. Let me ask you this, uh, back to that parent example. Do you always grant your kids requests right at the time they ask? No, because how many parents have ever used this word that just absolutely crushes the hope of every child? When they ask you something, you say, there you go. I was going to say maybe, but that's the same thing. Yeah, we'll see. You've all done it. We've all done it, right? It's that maybe, but not yet. And they're still on edge. If Jesus asked his father, if there was any way that he could do this differently, and that answer was, uh, no, but okay, your will be done. If Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, had to be obedient to his Father in prayer, why would I expect anything less? I don't get a pass. If God tells me something in that prayer that I don't want to hear, I'm not exempt. Jesus wasn't exempt. He submitted to his Father's will. So I have to be ready as I pray for whatever answer is going to come my way. And then I have to be ready to obey and submit to the will of God. Because like I said before, I don't want anybody to accept Jesus Christ because I had a clever phrase. I don't want anybody to accept Jesus Christ because they think they're going to get something and and maybe I promise something I can't deliver. I want them to meet Jesus at a deep spiritual level. I want that connection to be made. And so this image that we have should never be, you know, the the image that they always tell you about uh, when you do biblical counseling. This is actually a Stephen minister thing. Uh, Liz might remember this. They talk about this role of empathy. So if someone's in trouble, they're down in the pit. I don't jump down there with them because now we're both in trouble. And I don't stand up here and go, well, you just need to get yourself out of the pit. What I do, I hope I don't get feedback, is I keep one foot on the solid ground and I reach down. Right? And, and this is how we bring people back. But it doesn't stop there. This image that we have as we grab that person's hand, it's not that I bring him up and I'm the Savior. It's that I bring him up and I connect him to the Savior's hand. That's the way that you make a difference in people's lives. Because if I do this and it's all about me, now I run into my next problem in this prayer thing, and it's pride. So pride is, it's, it's all about me. It's about uh, stolen valor would be a good way to say it uh, because I'm stealing the valor of Christ. Could you advance me one, please, one? Thank you. There we go. Uh, the obedience, uh, or excuse me, the pride is I get the credit. Jesus did the work, but I get the credit. Or I'm the Savior. And when you set yourself up for that, you do set yourself up for a question that you're going to get asked that you don't know the answer to. It's not about me. It's about Christ. And as long as I can make this handoff, life is good. The minute I try to assume the role of Savior, I'm setting one of the two of us up for for a failure. Probably both of us, if I'm honest. And who knows who else is watching. So don't try to be the Savior. Try to coordinate the handoff. That's the way this works. 
the other thing, if you'd advance one more one, is, uh, like I said earlier, this is not a flesh and blood. This is powers and principalities. So prayer binds that enemy. I love this quote. The best defense against the devil is to be so God-centered that we give no place to Satan. And how do you get so God-centered? Prayer. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is talking and listening to God. And if you don't believe that there's a spiritual battle, try sharing the good news with someone who's under the grips of addiction. Or try sharing the good news with someone who is suicidal to the point of taking action. And tell me that there's not a spiritual component to that. Not there is. It's dark. It's probably beyond our capability to do anything about, but it is not beyond Jesus' capability. And that's why we've got to bring him into the equation. Because there are things that we just don't understand. And there are things that, to quote Jack Nicholson, we can't handle the truth, right? But God can. So that's why we need to continually reach back in prayer, in our invitations, not just to church, but to faith in general. One of the things that we, we quote, and I, I actually started the service with this uh, Bible scripture in, in Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Um, what we don't realize is that prayer also activates those people who will make those invitations. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but here's a, here's a passage I started with today in 937, uh, at least at uh, 935. Man, those numbers are smaller every day. Here we go. Uh, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Here's the part I didn't read earlier, but it's right behind that. These are the words of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send the workers into his harvest field. Jesus himself is saying, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers. So there's another area that you can pray for. Hey, maybe Joe Bob doesn't relate to me, but I can see his life is headed in a direction that's not healthy for anyone. God, please send someone. Now, realize that you can't pass that prayer off. Like, I don't really want to be in Joe Bob's life, so I'm going to pray for someone else to do it. Right? There's no, it's not like mercenary saving people, right? You can't just hire someone to do your work. Because understand this, if everybody's praying for workers to go in the field, guess what? Someone's praying for you to enter someone's life. So you may pass Joe Bob off, but there may be 10 others coming your way. Don't shirk your responsibility. And don't underestimate the power of the Spirit in that as well, because uh, I'm pretty sure the Spirit can handle one or two or five or 10 or however many. Right? So, Prayer activates the workers as we're sent into the field. So now you're getting all kinds of ideas of the things and the types of things that you can pray for. So let me, uh, let me offer this. Uh, we're going to have some homework for you. And I'm going to tell you up front, and then we're going to revisit it. Here's the target date, August 29th. Okay, remember August 29th, last Sunday in August. It's back to church, back to school Sunday. We're going to invite all kinds of people to come and be a part of our service. August 29th. I wish I had some background music, but your mission, should you decide to accept it, <laughs> is to invite someone to back to school, back to church Sunday. 
That would have sounded so much better with background music. Oh, well, next time, I'll get you. All right, so that's, that's your goal. And here's what I want you to do. Here's your homework. I want you to write a prayer today. Write a prayer for the person or people that you're going to invite on August 29th. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Bill, that's like forever away. That's like a lifetime away. Now, here's why I want you to write it today. Because over the next month and a few weeks, I want you to take note as you continually pray that prayer for those people or persons, I want you to note how your prayer changes, what words change, what thoughts change. And then I want you to notice how you change. Because as we start this conversation back and forth with God, God is going to be working on you. I'll warn you in advance, this isn't for sissies. This is the real thing. You're playing with fire, and that fire is the Holy Spirit. But this fire warms you. It doesn't burn you. So I want you to write the prayer today. I want you to pray it every day between now and August 29th when you invite these people to church or whatever you're going to invite them to. And I want you to note how you change and how the prayer changes. Now, if this wasn't enough, and if you are a visual learner, I know what you're thinking. Bill, I need props. <laughs> you're in the right place. So this morning, yeah, be very, very afraid. I had uh, a small electrical problem uh, in my house, and uh, I did what any good words for a person would do. I called him Mike, and uh, Mike came over and in a few words fixed my problem. So I was inspired. Today's demo involves electricity. And now we should pray. Right? All right, so um, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, let's do this. Hey, I could use a volunteer. Uh, and that volunteer doesn't have to say anything. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just need an extra pair of hands. That's really what it boils down to. Maddie's been nominated. Do I get a second? Yes. Thank you, Maddie, in advance for coming up. All right. Awesomeness. Awesomeness. Okay, Maddie. Here's your mission. This is Maddie, by the way. Give her a hand. Thanks. Very brave individual for coming up and, and joining us here. All right, Maddie, your job... You, are you CPR qualified? I'm not technically, but I know it. But you know how to do it? Okay, so in a pinch, I'm good. Okay, good. All right. Uh, so your job, uh, mine's good, by the way. I'm certified, so we're, we're in this together. N nobody's ever going to volunteer again. <laughs> I just need you to hold that. Point it at all these heathens out there. All right? And, and uh, that's going to be the light of the world. All right. So... Here we are, in the beginning, there was God, and uh, God said, let there be light, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. You, you know the story, right? But this was the original design. Is there light? Oh, there's light. User error, not God's error. <laughs> this was the original design. This was God who had all knowledge and understanding and did not need anything else. He was perfect. Whoops. Less perfect than me. <laughs> there we go. We're back. Now, God did not need anything, but he chose to interrupt this circuit so that he could insert something called a human being. Enter human. He wanted this relationship. So when God originally created us and he created this relationship... There was light again. 
And this was the way it was in the beginning. And then, you know what happened, right? The apple. The apple came along, entered into our way of thinking, and the circuit was broken. That would be sin. So here's the thing. <laughs> we screwed up. <laughs> I was waiting all day to say that one. <laughs> here's, here's the reason that we need to pray, all right? Because if we try to do this of our own accord, this is what we call an insulator, right? I ask Uncle YouTube this. This is a conductor. This is an insulator. In the spiritual world, the conductor is the way that we were originally created to be, and I'm firmly convinced that in all of us, there is still that conductor inside of us, hidden somewhere, waiting to be awakened again. But in the process of our lives, as we encounter sin, we insulate ourselves from the power of God. And we insulate ourselves in many ways. We're going to do a checklist in just a second so you can see how you've been insulated. But here's the reason that prayer is so important in that invitation. If I try to do it myself... That's not attractional. You're not seeing anything different than the world around us. But the minute that I take it away from myself and I go back to the Savior and to the core of who he created me to be, washed white as snow, then the world will see that he is who he says he is. Thank you, Maddie, for being the light of the world today. Give her a hand. And I lied about my CPR qualification. I don't even... <laughs> Now that that went well. <laughs> so this is the world that we live in. This is the, the sin that threatens to get in the way of God's power flowing through us. So what are the insulators that you have in your life? Because I have several. As I did this checklist, I learned that there are some things that I need to change in my life. If you can't see the corner uh, diagram up there, it's conductors versus insulators. The conductor is where it actually allows God's power to flow. The insulator keeps it from flowing. So you might want to take a picture of this screen. If you're watching the home screen, you might want to take a screenshot or whatever because this is going to be your checklist as you go through this prayer process to eliminate all the insulators so the power of God can flow through us and we can establish that light of the world feeling. I'm just going to name a few of these. I put some Bible verses up there so you can check this out. Uh, is it pride? Do I get credit? Or do I know better than God knows? And in the scripture there, it talks about uh, how pride gets in the way. God opposes the proud. It also is the example of the Pharisee and the tax collector. If you're familiar with that example where they're praying and the, the Pharisee, the holiest guy of all who follows all the rules, says, God, thank God I am not like this miserable sinner. And the miserable sinner says, God, I am a miserable sinner. Which one is righteous in God's eyes? That's the power of pride as an insulator, and it's not a good thing. Sin blocks our relationship, Psalm 66, 18. You can look that one up. Doubt is an insulator. Now, does that mean that you can never doubt or never should doubt, or does that mean that you're a bad person if you ever have doubts? Not exactly, and here's why I say that. In my experience, my personal experience, some of my greatest breakthroughs have been on the tail of a doubt. I had a doubt. I watched for God. I researched the scriptures. I talked to my friends. And that doubt got answered in a powerful way. And what used to be a liability for me is now a strength because I'm on the far side of that doubt. 
What if I'd never asked that question? What if I'd never had that doubt? I would still be on a level down here somewhere that in my understanding. Now, I am nowhere close to understanding God, but I feel like I'm a little closer than I was. And it started with doubt. But if you live in a constant state of doubt, you're constantly insulating. You're constantly blocking God's power. Let God do what God can do. Trust that he'll do what he says he'll do, and he'll show up. Maybe it's selfishness. James tells us that oftentimes we don't, uh, we don't get because we ask with the wrong motives. We ask so that we can spend whatever we get from God on ourselves. Sometimes I'm guilty of that. Okay, let's be honest. Sometimes I'm guilty of all of these, but that's one of my big things. I'm more interested in what I can do for me than what I can do for everyone else. I'm working on that. Apathy. Maybe we just don't care. The great commission is to make disciples, but what's the great commandment? Love God, love neighbor. Again, not the great suggestion, great commandment. So this is not an option for us. We have to love those others. Just like Jesus in this, this uh, scripture that we started off with today, he was bone tired. I'm sure he was worn out, probably burned out. But as he looked at these people, he looked on them with compassion, and he healed them. And he was with them. Let that be our guide. Let that be our motive. Let that picture of the world that could be reside in our mind as we go into the darkness of this world. And then finally, are we conformed by this world and its cares? Romans 12, 1, 2 is a pretty common uh, scripture that most people know. It's about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. And this world is powerful at conforming. It wants to mold us in ways so that we look like everybody else. And it puts inside us things that used to be good that get twisted just enough, like the, like the desire to excel. Okay, that's not a bad thing, but if your desire is to keep up with the Joneses, now it just got weird, right? It, it became a, a being conformed by the world, not being conformed into God's image. So I want you to take this list as you do this prayer over the next month plus a couple of weeks, I want you to continually run this scan in your background and ask yourself, is there something that's insulating me, that's preventing that power of God to flow through me? And you might be surprised. There might be something else. I would encourage you to share that with at least one other person because in the process of that, once you name it, once it sees the light of day, it's really hard to thrive. If, if I named someone else, like, like the, the people I most often go to is my men's group. If I tell them that, hey, guys, I'm having a problem with selfishness, once I put it out there and they're aware of that, they'll let me know if, if there's any selfishness. Now, that some of you go, ooh, I don't, ooh, no, no. Not, not in a bad way, in a good way, because I don't want that to guide my life. So this is the, the assignment. Uh, we're going to write the prayer. We, we're going to work on being conductors, not insulators. Uh, like I know what I'm talking about in this electricity. Like I, I, I asked Uncle Google. It's all, it's all there. You can Google it. Um, and run this checklist as well. Because what I want us to get to is, is beyond just a, a checklist, beyond just a rote prayer. God, please save Jobab. Maybe that's my first prayer. But it's not my final prayer, because as God begins to work in me, maybe the wording changes. God, I see Joe Bob's having a tough time in his life. 
I pray that you would bring people alongside him in circumstances so that he would begin to see with spiritual eyes and not just physical eyes. And God, if there's something that I can do as a part of that, would you shape and change me? Would you give me the words to say or the words not to say? Would you help me be your presence in his life? Would you give me patience with him when he wears on my patience? Would you help me be that person that can help him stand up and dust himself off? And God, in the process of that, would you make sure that I'm not trying to steal your glory in all that, but that I would continuously be in that handoff mode and, and watch what happens, not just in Jobob's life, but in our lives as well. I guarantee you, if we follow that formula religiously over the next six weeks, our lives will be different. I know that's our tagline. I know you're tired of hearing it. But I'm never tired of a life that's different in Christ. It's the most amazing thing you can experience. And earlier on, I asked you if you could picture this world. Whoops, there was the uh, application. You know what to do. Uh, earlier on, I asked you to picture this world one more time. There we go. Imagine this world if everybody legitimately followed Jesus Christ, not to be perfect but to be perfect in Christ. Imagine what that would look like in your marriage, in your home, at your workplace, at your school. Now imagine if we followed this formula just for the next six weeks religiously, not in a slavish way, but in a desire to know God's heart. I wonder if we don't have to imagine anymore because we'll experience it. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit poured out on us today. I pray that you would help us to set aside all the things that insulate us from your love, that insulate us from the world around us. God, we're so good at insulating these days. COVID taught us that. We don't even have to stray out of our house. We can order things online. We can eat at home. We can take care of our own house, our own family, and never once cross the path of a stranger or a person in need. We can live our best lives on social media and ignore the hurting. We can pray prayers for what we need and forget the needy right next door to us. God, help us to see where we can conduct your Holy Spirit. Help us to see also what prevents that as we insulate ourselves from you. And God, do the work with the Holy Spirit in our hearts to tear away every bit of insulation until it's you and just you flowing through us in a mighty way as only you can do. And then let us see the world that we imagine become a reality. It's for your glory and your honor. And with your presence, we pray. Amen.